Corsa's new strategy, bring the craft, bitches! How craft beer was able to woo the Avengers. And the Brewers Association releases their new guidelines. Warning, things are about to get hazy. Fuck it, it's all beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the latest in craft beer, special releases, and all the news that's fit to drink. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How are you doing today, Tyler? Oh, doing excellent. How are you, Jeremy? I'm doing okay. Um, it's nice to be uh, nice to have a beer in my hand. What are we drinking today? Uh, so I'm drinking some of the Dogfish Head and Grateful Dead collaboration, American Beauty Pale Ale. And what do you got? Well, it's a long story. Um, or it's nigh unpronounceable. It's <clears throat> All right, here we go. If you speak French, I'm about to butcher your language, and I'm sorry. Marjorie, I'm no, looking at you. No, he's not. Dieu de soleil, uh, equinade de printeps. It is a scotch ale brewed with maple syrup, and it is delicious. Nice. It's got a nice uh, nice dark fruit nose. The maple's apparent. And the name's damn hard to say. The, damn, the name is impossible to say, but you know what? The beer is good, so we'll just we'll just go with it. I'll maybe put put the actual name of the beer in the show notes, and you can uh, seek it out for yourself. <laughs> Sounds good. What do we got first today, Jeremy? All right. Well, Molson Coors came out with their uh, quarter one numbers, according to Brew Bounds' Justin Kendall. And it's a mixed bag for them. Uh, shipments are down, but revenue is up, meaning you're likely paying more for uh, Miller time. Uh, a quick side note, you might be confused by the difference between Miller cores, which we've mentioned a few times on the show, usually in a spat with AB InBev, and Molson cores, which is understandable. Short answer, Molson cores is an international conglomerate that owns Miller cores. Except lot, in the United States. Except in the United States. But, it, but, Miller, but also SB Miller owns a piece. Don't think about it, your corporate masters are making all the money. Shut up and drink your carbonated swill, you fucking peasants. And AB InBev owns all of those, except <laughs> in the United States. They had to sell off the Miller Coors part. All you had to do is go look at the uh, at, at the uh, uh, the antitrust settlement of 2016, I believe. Who knows? And just beware, to just, just have a beer in hand, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, but um, here is the one interesting thing from the article. Mostly, it's it's not all that interesting, but um, uh, Gavin Hattersley, CEO of Miller Coors, announced that uh, Blue Moon will receive more attention. His goal is to make Blue Moon the number one tap handle in America. I could believe that. Uh, I know the local distributor that sells uh, Blue Moon and Miller here in the Treasure Valley. I was talking to one of their sales reps uh, when they brought in a new craft brand. And he was talking about uh, how they were doing. And he's like, yeah, you know, they're second in comparison to Blue Moon, which is our largest and biggest volume brand that they had under their umbrella. And it, I think it, overall it's a uh, it's a good thing for craft beer in general because Blue Moon, I've noticed, is a pretty good gateway beer for people who are just – Starting to wonder, well, is there beer besides Budweiser cores? I know my dad has usually the uh, mix pack of Blue Moon Honey, Blue Moon Mango, Blue Moon Raspberry, Blue Moon. And there's been a couple of those like seasonal varieties where like I've had a buddy show up to the house with that mixed twelve pack, and he's like, "Oh, hey, you want to try this?" I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna say no. It's beer." So, <laughs> and there's been a couple I've been pleasantly surprised with, and then a couple where I'm just like, "Go kill yourself." <laughs> That be your friend or Blue Moon in general? Both. <laughs> Just take your beer, leave my house. I, you know what? I still think it's it. Overall, it's good because I think I have a lot of people who've come in to uh, the tap rooms and bottle shots where I've worked, and they they kind of look at me bleary eyed. They look at the menu, and I politely ask what they what kind of things they drink, and they quietly squeak out, "Well, I I like Blue Moon." <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's useful. I can all right. There's American wheats. We can we can start with Widmere. We can go into Lost Coast Tangerine wheat. Is there's usually a, a or a Belgian wit or right. The, it it tells you what style they like, and so it is. I don't. Know, I think it's overall positive because it does leave people receptive to more craft beer. Are all of them going to immediately start drinking you know barrel aged sours? No, a lot of them will probably stick with Blue Moon, but I, I feel like craft beer is a game of inches, and any few that you can peel off from the uh, domestic crowd is a good thing. I was going to say, I'd rather have an angry inch in this case. <laughs> Speak. That sounds like something that's come from experience, <laughs> Tyler. <did. laughs> no, I, I do think if we can get it to the point uh, where, yes, places still have a Blue Moon handle, but that is like the domestic handle. We're in a much better position where if the shit just beer that you can get everywhere is Blue Moon, we're better than we were 10 years ago. That is a good point. Um, I would definitely like to see just Blue Blue Moon and that's our domestic. Um, I know some people are a little bit annoyed with Blue Moon with their ads claiming to be craft when they're very obviously Miller Coors. That doesn't bother me as much as for some reason. I don't know. Maybe you, you have an opinion on this. Their posturing as craft doesn't bother me as as much as some. Maybe it's because I think it's fairly obvious that they are owned by a big corporation. So I had always knew they were owned by a big corporation, just like Shock Top was owned by AB. Uh, and they never actually claimed to be craft. They said artisanally crafted. <laughs> I mean, true. Subtle but- difference. That's why they didn't have to pay out on that lawsuit. Uh, but... <laughs> It, it doesn't really bother me. I'm like, if people want to think of it as craft and then are willing to try other craft beers because of it, I'm fine. If people want to be like, no, that's corporate-owned beer, I'm not drinking that, whatever. Well, I mean, I think clearly at some point in time I'd like to bring that up. If someone is espousing how much they like Blue Moon, I can say, you know, that is Miller Coors. Come over here, let me show you some uh, beer that's not made by Miller Coors. Mm-hmm. And not maybe owned partially by AB InBev, the whole thing going on there. (laughs) (laughs) What I'm saying is... And here's better representations of the style. Which they claim to be a Belgian wit, but it really isn't. It's more of an American... I don't even know. I've never seen it on any judging list, but we'll get into the pedantics of style later this uh, later this episode. This is a fucking rabbit hole. <laughs> I guess I'm saying is uh, strap in people. We're going to get it granular as shit up in here, but before then let's uh, let's have some entertainment news. Tyler, sounds good. Hit so, us up with some uh, uh, what's going on there. So, uh, we talked about this in an earlier episode. Uh, for any of you who have went and saw the new Avengers movie or haven't uh, either or You've probably heard, if you're a beer fan, that Thor is drinking a Creature Comforts beer in the movie. Well, he drinks a couple, actually. So, we talked about him drinking the Athena, their Berliner Weiss. Uh, Well, he also drinks their Tropicala IPA in a different scene as well. And in another scene, you can see him wearing a Tropicala shirt. Oh, Um, wow. Representing. Yeah. Because there was just in the... We covered it when they let it slip in the trailer. And right there by him... Was uh, the the Athena, I believe? And yes. It created a little minor buzz in in uh, the craft beer world. So apparently, there was one. Uh, the director of the movie was actually seen in July of 2017 wearing a Tropicala shirt as well. That stirred up a little buzz, but yeah, when the trailer came out is when the real train started rolling here. Uh, so 
A little backstory. Creature Comforts Brewery out of Athens, Georgia. Uh, make fantastic beer. Some of my favorites. Uh, and they've just got a really cool vibe. I, unfortunately, I've never been to the brewery. But next time I make it out to Georgia, I am definitely stopping there. Marvel, I mean, they've got the money for this movie. This biggest movie release ever. They could have put whatever beer they wanted. Uh, but I found an article on craftbeer.com uh, talking about how Creature Comforts got the beer in there. Uh, so apparently their Tropicala IPA had developed a cult-like following and was super hard to find in late 2016. Uh... They were super hard-pressed to keep that beer in stock. It'd sell out super fast at any bars that put it on tap or any grocery stores. And as Jeremy can probably attest, Georgia's blown up as kind of the Hollywood of the Southeast. It absolutely. I, I used to do. Uh, I used to do some video work in uh, in Georgia, and it has become a. Uh, it's become a, a second Hollywood. It's really bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, during this time, uh, the directors were over there filming. Uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, and they realized that a beer had kind of reached a cult-like following, and it was pulling some people from their set. Apparently, some of the production workers would actually go through, and when they'd find out that a grocery store nearby was getting a delivery of Tropicala, they'd rush off the set, go find that beer, and try to bring it back. <laughs> well, finally, one of them actually gave one of the directors uh, one of the Tropicalas, and it blew his mind. He was like, oh, this is awesome. So they sent some of their corporate reps to reach out to Creature Comforts. Creature Comforts uh, sat down, talked with them in a meeting. Uh, then they came back and said, you know, we want to put your beer in this movie. It won't be represented or represented in a negative light, uh, but we'd like to have this. So if you could send over, you know, a six pack of each. Uh, I don't know if it talks about the actual amount but send over some of that and a t-shirt we'll put it in the movie we'll dress thor in it <laughs> well uh, according to the owner of the brewery he goes so they sent off the beer and we sent a bunch of t-shirts anyways because you know any good brewery you can just get that swag out there oh yeah I, i've I, i've got tons of it just lining my house it just kind of pours from breweries that's why you go to a lot of these events um <laughs> uh, so that is why the director ended up wearing uh, that shirt at a fan fest event back in July 17. But it eventually came out. The uh, the owners of the brewery are super excited. Uh, actually, one of the local um, like art house cinemas uh, that usually shows indie shorts, kind of indie films, actually because of Creature Comforts being in it, decided to show Avengers Endgame. They actually had one showing all dedicated to the brewery staff, uh, which everyone apparently cheered when they saw Creature Comforts on the screen. Uh, Creature Comforts, according to their Twitter, uh, last weekend were running a special where if you came in with your stub from that uh, indie movie theater, you'd actually get a discount on Tropicala and Athena beer and merchandise. So they've been playing really awesome with it. Um so it's pretty cool, and oddly enough, the Avengers Endgame got released on their five-year anniversary. Well, that's handy. That so just like what is what style is Tropicala? It sounds a, it's an IPA. Of so. course, it is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Once again, an IPA makes inroads. Um, I, I I find it interesting. So I don't I have not seen the movie mostly out of uh, a religious uh, exemption. <clears throat> <laughs> 
But I understand that. So uh, it's mostly featured with Thor, who's basically let himself go and is just downing creature comforts like, well, like the God of Thunder finally discovered microbrews. Um, <laughs> what I, did, did anything come out about that, or they, they they still associate that as a good thing, huh? Yeah. So I mean, it is Thor drinking uh, the creature comfort beers. That's the only one really, and he's also the one wearing the shirt. Uh, but I think they were just super excited for all the free publicity. And, I mean, most of the time to get something in a movie of that scale, you've got to pay to get in there. I'm sure A.B. Miller Coors were willing to pony up a good chunk of change. But because of the cult-like following that it had had and the impact it had on the production crew, they got all that advertising for free. Well, I'm sure that uh, Budweiser wished they wouldn't have killed off their stupid-ass bro knight so he could have made an appearance and, like, <laughs> tromped around. Yeah. Although, well, apparently, he's back, and don't get me started. Um, what do you... Th- so, let me ask you a question. Uh, you know Creature Comforts better than me. Do they have... Do you think they have much of, of a, a design to expand beyond Georgia? And what, if anything, do you think this would do with it? Uh, I think they distribute to a couple neighboring states, but for the most part... Uh, I think it's mainly Georgia outside on the whether they want to expand or not. I'm not sure. I think there's a lot of demand right now just for all the craft beer articles that are like Creature Comforts was in this movie. <laughs> so I'm sure there's the demand, but whether they actually choose to expand at all is yet to be seen. Just as a marketing, I mean, how how big is this? Give us a scale of one to ten. Oh, this is definitely a ten. I mean, you've got. The, and the owner even talks about it in the article. He goes, you know, this is something, this is the biggest movie release in the history. Uh, he's like, and it's something I can take my grandkids 10 years down the road and be like, we can be watching that movie and be like, hey, that's our beer. <laughs> and it is cool. I, I like the fact that of all, like you said, of all the beers they could have chosen, they could have gotten a lucrative buy-in from AB InBev. Miller Coors may have been a little kickback a little bit, but they decided to throw some love to... I don't know. There is something kind of charming about the fact that, hey, there's this thing out there that we like that our production crew fell in love with. Let's bring it in and uh, make it part of what we're doing here for no other reason than we love it and we want to uh, spread the uh, spread the love. Yeah, which I found super cool. It's been a great getting craft beer in the news. And, I mean, they are an independently own brewery so you don't have to worry about that they've got the brewers association independent seal the uh, the upside down ketchup bottle that we all love so much yep (laughs) (laughs) what do we got next jeremy all right well beer style news now uh the brewers association released their 2019 style guidelines including four editions any guesses (laughs) uh hazy ipa is already in there isn't Uh uh-huh uh so brood ipa nope Glitter beer? (laughs) No. (laughs) So it's juicy or hazy, strong pale, uh, contemporary Belgian style Guza Lambic. Okay. uh, Franconian style rote beer, and American style uh, IPL or India Pale Lager, which that of which makes most sense. Um, Let's start off with the uh, with the hazy, strong pale, shall we? (laughs) You you might be asking yourself exactly what is the difference between a strong pale. And an IPA. And the answer is the style descriptions on are word-for-word word identical between the IPA and the Strong Pale. As far as the actual uh, written description, appearance, flavor, 
mouthfeel, etc. are word for word identical. The main... <laughs> so, <laughs> Tyler just geared himself up for this. His face is turning purple. His hat is now on backwards. He's taking a long drink. <laughs> so, while he gears up, um, the main difference is the ABV of a strong pale is 5.6 to 7. Whereas an IPA is 6.3 to 7.5. Tyler, please. <laughs> so there's a reason this podcast is called It's All Beer. When Jeremy and I used to work with each other, one day we got into a style guideline discussion. And I finally just gave up all hope and I said, fuck it, it's all beer. Doesn't matter what style, it's just fucking beer. Now transitioning into this, this reminds me of the conversation that me and you had where I go, where I went, could you make an imperial pale ale? Yes. <laughs> and as you started reading that, I was like, this is my imperial pale ale. It's a strong pale, but not IPA. And the imperial pale wouldn't be an IPA. Exactly. But, no, I think, I mean, if you look at the style guidelines for a pale ale and an IPA, there's a ton of overlap. The big thing is the alcohol content to differentiate, but it just... Oh, my God. Well, get ready for this one, because you might be asking yourself, okay, well, that's strong pale. Well, then what the hell is a hazy pale, which is also in, gu in the guidelines? And I'm glad you asked, person who's not in the room. <laughs> it's a style that has literally the exact same wording for appearance, mouthfeel, flavor, and aroma as hazy IPA, as hazy strong pale, except for the alcohol is 4.4 to 5.4. So, I really what you have here is... A small, medium, large? Essentially. <laughs> well, the, the reality is, is they are... I'll tell you right now from, uh, from doing a few of these uh, uh, beer judging competitions, is that with, obviously, hazy anything is blowing the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And everybody's entering their hazy whatever. This is, in my view, a way to... Spread out, spread it out a little bit. So you've got people with it in IPAs. People with lesser, with smaller IPAs can maybe shoot for the strong pale. Then you can actually have a true hazy pale. But you know what? I think this hazy shit's gone out of hand. I've been very, <laughs> I've been very, very tolerant and trying to be very positive about this. About the you know the as the I hate to the words I hate the words haze craze, but that's I, I got nothing better. Yeah. Um. I, it's gone too far now. I'm, I'm over it. I was going to say, I mean, style guidelines are absolutely worthless unless you were entering into a competition. And then even there, from the brewery side of things, you can manipulate. And like I know when we send off a beer, we will look through the categories and be like, okay, what do we think this has the best chance of winning? Or what should we submit this under based off what this says we don't brew to the style guidelines we just try to jam whatever beer we have into the style yeah and i think i, I most breweries do that because trying to brew to style is goddamn stupid and impossible because um you're just going you, you, the what you're shooting for may or may not have an audience your best bet is to just brew the beer you want to drink and then you're right when you're entering in competition then is the time to decide well what do we enter it do we enter it 
Hazy Pale, Hazy Strong Pale. A Vienna Lager in the Cream Ale category that wins a silver fucking medal. Not that you're, you're not over that, are you? So no. that, a little bit of backstory on this one. That discussion included, so it was the, uh, which, which competition was that? that NABA. Was, that was NA, so also North, uh, North American Brewers Association. Or Beer Awards. Uh, yeah, they do a, they do a big, big beer competition. And I think, if, if I remember correctly, it was Payette Brewing's uh, Flyland Fly Vienna Lager. One of my favorite beers. It's a delicious beer, but they won for Cream Ale. They won a silver medal. Which, then we got to looking at another uh, Idaho brewery, Laughing Dog's Cream Ale. Um, it got something else. I want to say it was, a, I, got, I think it was in a blonde. Blonde. Or, I can't remember if that happened, but we pulled a couple Vienna Lagers off the shelf, sampled next to each other. With some cream ales. And then we were like, okay, well, what's the difference between a Vienna lager and a cream ale? Uh, they're pretty much the exact same thing. Okay, what's the difference between a cream ale and a blonde ale? Oh, they're exactly the same fucking thing. I was like, fuck it, it's all beer. <laughs> and we came up with the whole theory that beer knowledge is like a bell curve. You start off on the left side, not knowing a lot, not knowing a lot. Get about to the middle, you know a shit ton. And you start getting back over to the other side where you're just like, it's all the fucking same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I don't know. I think this obviously means, I, I think this means two things. Number one, we're still going to have hazy beers. If you're over them, like I, I apparently now am, just make peace with them. There's there, But there, I think the styles are going to condense again. Uh, the, let's talk about the, the, other, uh, uh, the other new styles. Contemporary style Belgian Goose Lambic. Basically... Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's basically so places like uh, Lost Abbey can actually submit their goos because it's not technically a goose because it wasn't brewed in Belgium. Yes and no. So the way the style guidelines make it sound is that it's less that it's not it's less that it's not brewed there. It's that it's not traditionally it's it, the 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 flavor profiles are not traditional. Um, the the traditional style that's also in the guidelines is a lot drier. But I think Lost okay. Abbey and those breweries tend to make theirs quite a bit sweeter to appeal to their uh, to their customers' palates. And so they've made a distinction between um, these new contemporary ones, which have a bit of residual sweetness, versus the traditional ones that are almost bone dry. Okay. So that's the difference there. Um, Franconian style rote beer, which as near as I can tell is basically an ale version of a Martzen. Um, it's a German. It looks like a German style, um, or uh, it's either it's either a ale version of a Martzen or a dark Kolsch. Okay, <laughs> I've never run into one of those. I was gonna say I haven't. For some reason, when I heard the style name, I was thinking it was a smoked beer. That's, see, I, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it might be a Roche beer as well. But it's not. Okay. Um, I ch the style guidelines there were really they were basically you could have used them to describe amber ale, but except for they they made a lot of comparisons to German lagers and German ales. Okay. So I think what they're trying to say is like an amber German ale, like in the tradition of a Kolsch, very light in flavor, very clean, but darker, darker. than a Kolsch and with a little more caramel. Okay, so like a lighter Schwartz beer almost, but using an ale yeast. Correct, yeah. Um, and then the last one, I think, is just the India Pale Lager, which I'm surprised it took this long for it to get a category. Yeah, no, which I do enjoy a good IPL. So. Um, 
And they and they condense some other styles. They condense some styles down as well, uh, possibly to make room for the haze. Um, one notable one that I appreciated after going to the Best of Craft Beer Awards, and I think the Best of Craft Beer Awards uses at least one derived from the from the Brewers Association. Um, they took um, wood aged and barrel aged, pale, amber, dark, and strong, and condensed them all to one category. Which thank the fucking gods. Uh, we tried to judge. Um, uh, dark barrel aged beer at the best of craft beer. It had to be under six and a half percent, which none of we were drinking. They were like, these are some fantastic beers, but none of these are under six and a half percent. Are you shitting me? We actually had to go to another table and say, how serious are they about these style guidelines that we were trying to judge here? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Good, good, good news for beer judges, so they can actually judge that fucking category. Bad news for uh, for Lagunitas or anybody else that does a barrel aged uh, Martin. Yeah, I don't think a lot of breweries are going to be affected by that. <laughs> it's pedantic, but you know, as a as a beer style nerd and judge, it uh, it, it struck me as interesting. How do you feel about ice beers being? <laughs> that is true. I almost I, thank you for. Uh, um, they also just completely nixed American iced lager, which. If a craft brewery was doing that style, I'm sorry, go fuck yourself. <laughs> if a craft brewery were to do anything even close to that, they'd be doing an Icebach, which is a way better style and one of my favorites. Well, an Icebach is different. You start out with a delicious beer and you and you make it better. Um, an American Iced Lager is basically so hobos can get drunker faster. True, uh, but I need to stop right here. Did you just admit an ice box is a beer? <laughs> I need this on recording. Nope. Nope. Not going there. <laughs> but you said. <laughs> we'll, re- we'll review it later. This is going to be cut. You realize that. <laughs> this is being cut. This is this is not. Shenanigans. Shenanigans. Okay. Again, there's some, probably some backstory here. Among the many discussions we've had, I maintain that when you get to uh, Brewdog's End of the World... Uh, the beer that was served in the Dead Squirrel uh, at 55% alcohol is technically an ice bock in style. Which at 55% alcohol is a goddamn whiskey. So we will probably be doing a future episode debating whether that beer is a whiskey or a beer. So if anybody would like to moderate that, uh, let us know. Facebook, Twitter, or email at itsallbeer at gmail.com. If you want to moderate this discussion, let's do this shit. <laughs> we shall find out for sure if that squirrel, that, that, that beer in a dead squirrel, or whiskey in a dead squirrel, was a whiskey or a beer. True. But that's, I think, best left for another day. Tyler, you got a story for us that doesn't involve either whiskey or beer. No. Uh, <laughs> so just kind of the... Business side of me, I saw an article on craftbrewingbusiness.com from Andrew Copland, the founder of Secret Hopper, a company that goes through and will send people into your tap room to rate and um, basically purchase as a customer and then give feedback on how your brewery's doing in your tap room. I know these guys. I think I actually uh, submitted an application to them and never heard back. So Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, that sounded like something up my alley. but Yeah, uh, and the article is called, Which Days of the Week Have the Highest Tabs? And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So out of curiosity, what, what would be your guess for the... I mean, Saturday night comes to... Or Saturdays seem to be the obvious, followed by Friday... 
It just seems to be when most people get their drink on. Yeah. What would you say a third is? Um, you know what? I would, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Monday because it just seems like when people are trying to, uh, need to get their, need to erase the memory of a day. I'm thinking he read the article already, but, uh, he nailed all three. (laughs) No, I didn't. Am I right on Monday? You're right on Monday. I was about to say Sunday, but I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go and like do something kind of weird. Yeah. So the number one day, uh, they broke it down with a very nice infographic. Uh, the number one day is Saturday, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Most breweries or bars are going to do a big event, usually on a Friday or Saturday. Uh, Friday, the average tab is $46.17. Uh, or that was Saturday, sorry. Uh, Friday is $46 even. And then Monday, forty-four eighty. dollars uh, Followed on that by Thursday at forty-four twenty-two. Sunday at forty three forty five, Wednesday at forty three eleven, and Tuesday at forty dollars and fourteen cents. So I mean, even though I guess it, I am actually a little bit surprised that I was right on Monday because I thought I was kind of throwing that out as a hail mary pass. But I I figured it was going to be Thursday or Sunday w- was going to be kind of number three. Uh, I mean, I may be a little biased because our brewery does a couple different specials on Thursday and Sunday, so. We've always drawn a pretty big crowd on those days, but I saw Friday and Saturday coming just because at the brewery I work for, those are our two top days. Well, and I always, I don't know, I I always am surprised at how many people are in a bar on Mondays because I I just instinctively think, it's Monday, why would you want to get drunk this early in the week? And but then once you've had a shitty Monday at work, then yeah, it, it sort of kind of makes sense. I can kind of see where uh, I can see why you want to get started early. But uh, wow, I'm still a little bit surprised I was right on that one. Yeah. So, I mean, what really kind of got me is I figured Wednesday would have been lower than Tuesday, just because the middle of the week. Nah, that's a good time to start drinking. You're the furthest from the weekend. But I don't know. Tuesday sort of makes sense. It's kind of the it's it's the middle child of the week. All the more reason to drink on Tuesday. Drink on every day that ends with a Y, people. That's what I'm saying. Just it only comes around once a week. <laughs> you gotta wait a whole another seven days to get to that next day. <laughs> uh, well, Tyler, anything else to add? No, I think that about wraps it up. Okay, well, this has been it's all beer. Uh, you can find us on social media, Facebook or Twitter at it's all beer. You can email us at itsallbeer at gmail.com and let us know if you want to moderate this debate between me and Tyler. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's, it'll be interesting. We'll see if we can get any takers on that one. <laughs> uh, music is Retro Future Dirty by Kevin McLeod at incompetent.com. And be sure to rate us on iTunes Stitcher or Stitcher, whatever podcast app you use. Uh, gets the word out and lets Tyler know that he doesn't suck. I crack a beer for every five star. See, there you go. So just, just know that rate a whole bunch and then Tyler's gonna get pissed drunk and pass on this living room and it's a good cause because otherwise he'd be, great cause. he'd be out in the world doing things that Tyler does and if you know Tyler at all you know that that's dangerous save the world <laughs> alright well that'll be all from us I'm Jeremy Jones I'm Tyler Zimmerman let's go have a beer drink on a day that ends in watch.